Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Raise your hand if you drive. Are you old enough to drive? Raise your hand. Imagine this week you take your car to the mechanic. I mean, it's been nine months, uh, maybe a year, and you're like, oh, I just just sense maybe it needs a tune-up. There's some noises. Uh, anyways, you go in there, you take your car in, and uh, you leave it there for the day, 5 o'clock, your phone rings, you pick it up, yep, your car is ready, and the mechanic meets you and says, hey, man, tweaked a few, the thing is just humming, thing is awesome, this is an amazing car, and uh, I love this car, and anyways, by the way, uh, it's in great shape, anyways, have a great week, and uh, off you go, and it's not more than six blocks, you're driving the car off, and smoke is coming out of the hood of your car, you're like, are you kidding me, I just spent 300 bucks getting my car tuned up, and I got smoke coming out. So what do you do? Well, one, you're kind of frustrated. You're a little irritated. So you go back and uh, you go back to the mechanic and you go, hey, dude, uh, you told me everything was cool. You told me my car was cool. I got smoke coming out. What's going on? And the mechanic looks at you and he says, yeah, you know, it's bad for business if we tell you the truth. Like, we didn't want to hurt your feelings. You know, we knew there was a few problems with your car, but we thought maybe if, you know, we, we, we want this to be a, a safe place for you to bring your car. We want this to be a place where you feel loved. And so because of that, it's kind of bad for business if we actually tell you what's wrong with your car. Of course, I think... If you were like me, I'd be, my response would be, hey, pal, when I bring my car to the mechanic, I want you to tell me the truth about the condition of my car, and then I actually want you to help me fix it. I, that's why I'm paying you. That's why I'm here. Now imagine you also got a doctor's appointment this week. You know, it's time for that annual checkup. So you go to your doctor over at, I don't know, Samson Cottage. Uh, my good friend Tom Anderson, my doctor <laughs> right here. Imagine I go to Tom this week. I love you, brother. <laughs> Imagine I go to Tom this week and say, hey, Tom, man, it's been a while, you know. Tom says, hey, man, took some tests. Brother. You are in tip-top shape. You, man, you are a specimen, bro. You, you, are you, you're, you are taking such good care of yourself. And uh, everything came back just flying colors, man. At your age, you are, you are awesome. You're doing great. Well, that night, <clears throat> carrying some firewood out to my fire pit to have a little fire, I'm like, oh, man, this is a little, man I get a little dizzy, drop the firewood, and I pass out. 
My wife, of course, is a little like, what the heck, man? 911, you know, the paramedics come. Go into the hospital, Tom comes in. What happened, man? I said, I don't know what happened, man. I passed out. I go, what, what's going on? Well, yeah, you know, the test did show that your arteries are all clogged up. <laughs> but, you know, I want you to feel loved. I want you to feel like the hospital's a safe place. You know, it's bad for business. Like, I don't want to offend you and tell you that uh, actually... You got some issues, brother. <laughs> and I would say what to Tom? Tom, I got to find a new doctor, <laughs> right? We want the truth about our car. We want the truth about our health, don't we? We want the truth about our spiritual life. Mark chapter 4, Jesus, the great physician, the teacher, the rabbi. Maybe I can say it this way. He does not tiptoe around the truth in this passage. Jesus, in, in some ways I might say, he kind of, uh, he, he's living a little on the edge. He's pushing, he's nudging, he's challenging, he's exposing, he's making his audience aware that spiritually speaking, all is not well. There are some issues that uh, he risks offending people. He wants to be a safe person, a loving person, but sometimes the safe and loving person tells you the truth about your condition, and that's what he does in Mark chapter 4, it's interesting, he tells this parable of the sower. Many of you are familiar with this parable. The first word in verse 3 gives us an indication that the stakes are super high. The first word is listen. It's an imperative. It's used in the Greek language to, in a way, he's shouting at them, pay attention right now. This isn't one to fall asleep on. What I'm about to share with you, this story with a point that I'm about to tell you, this parable, it matters in a big way how you receive this message. In fact, what he's saying is how you respond when you hear God's word, it really matters. That's the point of the parable. That's the big idea of this passage. And he goes on to tell the story about this farmer who was sowing seed. He would have had a bag on his side, and he's out on his farmland, and he's throwing seed out. And he's very generous. He's not like, well, I'm going to put some here but not there. He's just casting the seed on all different types of soil. Just that alone tells us that our God is a generous God, that his love is for everyone, that the truth of his word is for everyone. It's not exclusive. God wants so much for you that he's willing to tell you the truth in a way that might correct you. It might admonish you this morning. It might actually offend some of you this morning. And the story of the seed 
And Jesus goes on to explain the parable that the seed is God's truth. It's God's word, and it goes out everywhere. And I'll just speak to those of us who live right here in Santa Barbara that are part of this church. The seed, the truth of God's word, goes out on Sunday morning, but it also goes out in small groups, and it also goes out if you're experiencing your chair time and and having a devotional life or a quiet time. God's word, when you read it, when you hear it, when you hear it, Maybe online you're listening. God's speaking to you, and how you receive his word matters. And it begs the question. I think there's, there's kind of three questions, if you will. My spiritual father, a man named Dave Hicks, he taught me this just about generally speaking about spiritual life and my walk with Jesus. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? Or the first question actually is, where are you? Where do you want to be? And what's keeping you from getting there? Where are you? Where do you want to be? And what's keeping... So to apply it to this passage, this parable invites us to ask ourselves, what kind of soil am I? Where are you? What kind of soil do you want to be? After I explain them. And then what's keeping you? from becoming that soil. The first soil is the dry, hardened soil or heart. Soil and heart. The soil is a metaphor for our hearts. Verse 15, Jesus is explaining the story that he just told, and he says this, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Wow, interesting beginning. Satan, the devil, the adversary, the enemy. What's Jesus saying? He's saying every time the word is spoken, every time the Bible is taught, there's a spiritual battle going on for your soul. Every time you sit and hear and read the scriptures, there's a spiritual war, a spiritual battle going on for your heart, your mind, your soul, for your very life. When you come to church, when you go to your small group, when you have your quiet time, there's a spiritual battle. Did you know that? There's a spiritual battle going on. It takes place in your heart. In fact, I'll even say there's a spiritual battle that is taking place right here, right now in this room. I'm teaching God's word, and some of you are going, okay, Trader Joe's after church. Well, I got, I got to make my list. And that girl that is sitting two rows over to the right, man, she is cute. How can I? All right, there's a spiritual battle going on. Evil is real. And it matters how we show up, it matters how you show up. How you come into this room. It matters how you prepare your heart. Are you humble? Are you hungry? Are you a know-it-all? Do you have your scorecard out right now? Giving me a C minus.
I don't know who that was to Julio, but uh, <laughs> there's a spiritual battle going on. <laughs> Maybe I could just say it does matter how you show up to your small group each morning when you open up God's Word, Sunday mornings, even whether you show up. And then when we do show up. And God's Word teaches us, He wants us to be ready. Be receptive, be humble, be hungry, be leaning in, ready to hear a word from God. Here's the second soil. It's the shallow and the rocky heart. Here's how he explains the parable. The seed on the rocky soil, it represents those who hear the message and they immediately receive it with joy. Pause. Maybe you went to camp. It was amazing. You gave your heart to Christ. You were in junior high. It was like the most amazing weekend of your life. I remember Mike Iaconelli used to say, how long does a commitment at junior high camp last at Forest Home, Hume Lake, wherever, any camp, you know? He goes, Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> you know, because real life happens. It's like, oh, I'm fired up. I'm all in. And then real life happens. In fact, listen to how the parable Jesus says. They receive it immediately with joy, verse 17. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away. Underline that in your Bible. Falling away as soon as they have, what's the word? Problems. And then also, or are persecuted. Problems, problems. It's not enough to be in the room today. The litmus test is when you face problems, when you face trials, when you face hardship, when you face loss, when you can't pay your bills, when you have a relationship strain, a best friendship fractured, a marriage in the toilet, an adult child who won't talk to you anymore. The litmus test is where is your heart, and is it responsive to the teaching of God's Word, to the truth of God's Word? This is the saddest thing for me about being a pastor. You want to hear it? I wrote it in my notes, so I'm going to read it. You can hear God's Word for 5, 10, 20 30, 40, 50 years. You can come into this church every Sunday for the next 50 years and still be a punk. How is that possible? But it's true. You can hear God's word. You can give me a pat on the back and go, Pastor, that was awesome. Great message today. And still be unloving, unreliable, ungrateful, unhealthy, unhelpful, unhinged with your anger, self-absorbed, obnoxious, critical, shallow, superficial, and stingy. But you're a Christian. And Jesus is pushing up against those of us that are religious 
but we're not transformed. We're not on the way to becoming a new person. Doesn't happen. Growth is slow. It takes time. It's gradual. But we're not talking six months. We're not even talking six years. There's some of us that have been following Jesus for 30, 40 years, and your family members would say, you're a punk. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the issue of persecution when you experience ridicule for taking a stand on God's word and God's truth in this culture. It's real. You're looked down on. You're a bigot. Or you're woke. I mean, we got all these labels now, you know. I'm trying to follow Jesus. Quit calling me names, man. From my brothers and sisters. But as the people of God, will we, will we have a humble heart, a hungry heart that says, I'm the direction of my life. I don't have all the answers on all the issues, but the direction of my heart is I want to become more like Christ. I want to become more like, that's the desire of my heart. Can you trust that? Can you honor that? Can you respect that? Can we do this together even when we don't see eye to eye? <sighs> then we get to the crowded heart, the third soil, the crowded and worried heart. Jesus says the seed, and maybe I'll just stop before I even tell you. I, I'm in a small group uh, that we meet on Monday afternoons, one of the highlights of my life, and this group Almost, there was, I think, nine of us this week, and almost every one of us said, this is the one that's me. I, we, I led a Bible study, and we just said, pick the soil that, that, that's where you're at today. And almost every one of us said, this next one. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out. By what? By the worries of this life. What are you worried about? What are you thinking about right now? What are you stressed about? Crowded out by the worries of this life, the, the lure of wealth in this town, that is real. We're all chasing it. And the desire for other things. But this is the powerful part, the last phrase. So no fruit is produced. Ouch. No fruit is produced. This is the heart that's busy, distracted, seduced, deceived by wealth, by worry. We're just overwhelmed. And we live in a culture, we live in a community where we think happiness is all about this, right? Money. And we live for it, and we make sacrifices for it. And then when we get it, we spend it all on ourselves and our kids. And this is the culture we live in. And, and, and in the spiritual community, Jesus is saying, you're holding so tightly, and, and you're deceived, he's saying. You're deceived. You're blind. 
I didn't say it. Jesus is saying it. Did you, did you guys catch that Harvard study of adult development that came out this week? An 85-year study of happiness. That happiness is not connected to sex or wealth or good looks or having amazing abs. An 85-year study didn't point to that. And yet that's what we're spending all our time trying to impress people and these accomplishments. And yet the study from the Harvard uh, Adult Development Study, it said this. It said that happiness is the byproduct of healthy relationships, of healthy, life-giving friendships and family. And, I, and what I would add to it is people of faith, we... This isn't religion. This is a relationship. This is a relationship. Happiness, contentment, fulfillment, abundant life. It's about relationships. It starts here and, and, and then it's out here. That's where life is. That's where happiness is and fulfillment is and joy is. And, you know, David Brooks talks about the difference between the, the eulogy virtues and the resume virtues. And so many of us are caught up in the resume virtues, the accomplishments. I want you to be impressed with me. And we're blind and we're deceived. And Brooks goes on to talk about the eulogy virtues, those virtues, those qualities that you will be remembered the way you're remembered. People are not going to remember that I got these degrees on my wall in my man cave. How many of you are like stoked about that for me? How many of you are going to be like, man, when I go to your memorial, I'm going to talk about those? You're not. Or how much money I have in the bank. Oh, dude, that guy. But the eulogy virtues, so that's the fruit of the Spirit. Love. She was so full of joy, patience, gentleness, kindness faithfulness. I could count on him. He was a friend that I could count on. Self-control, that impulse control. He was able to control his rage, his anger, his sexual appetite, his spending, dot, 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 you fill in the blank. These are the fruit that Jesus is pointing to, that we're going to get to. I have a photo I want to show you on the screen. Can we throw that up there? Can we turn the lights down so you can, they can actually really see it? On the stage, are we able to turn these lights down? Can you guys see those two trees? So this, this is my yard. This is my garden. And we have a tree on the left that's a lemon tree that's full of life, full of fruit. There you go. And then you have a tree on the right. It's a peach tree. That thing looks dead. <laughs> I sit and I look out the window at these two trees every morning. And do you know I've never noticed them until this morning. I took this picture this morning. It's like God was holding up a mirror to me. Every morning saying, 
What kind of soil are you? What kind of tree are you, John Ireland? What kind of person do you want to become? Do you want to be the one on the left that's full of fruit, full of life, full of color? Or the dead brown, I don't know. So that comes to the, brings us to the last soil, the humble, responsive heart. Verse 20, Jesus said, the seed that fell on good soil, the seed that fell on good soil, circle the word good soil in your Bibles. That's who you and I want to become, I hope. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest that is so far beyond what you can imagine your life being. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, even 100 times as much as, as has been planted. You have no idea the impact that your life can have. That's what Jesus is saying. If you'll trust me, if you'll allow my word to take root, get rooted in your heart, and not just listen to it and hear it, but actually do it, live it out. Don't just love the word. Oh, we love the word here. Great. We love the word here. Don't just learn the word here. Hey, man, we learn the word in this church. Great. How about living the word? That's what Jesus is saying. We actually live the word out in this church. And guess what happens? The impact and the influence on your family, on your community, on this city, on this world. Jesus is saying it's 30, 60, 100 full. You have no idea. Your, your faithfulness will generate faith in others. Your love for your neighbor will generate a community of love around you. Jesus is saying if you'll accept the truth of his word, allow it to take root in your heart, and then live it out day by day. When, when you fall down, get back up. That's called repentance and keep going in the way of Jesus. We all screw up, by the way. We all do. We all fall down. We all make bad choices. We all mistreat someone. We all say something, oh, I shouldn't have said that then just own that. Ask for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness, and keep going on the way. All right. Throw up that last verse, James chapter 1. And this is, this is just to kind of, if you haven't felt challenged, some, some people go, man, I want to go to a church where, where I get punched in the face. All right, here you go. Boom. <laughs> right here. Boom. <laughs> here we go. James chapter 1. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, what? Otherwise, you are a fool. You're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that, what, sets you free. We talked about that last week. The word of God sets us free. It's not to burden us. It's not to put us in a prison, to lock us up. It's to free us up. If you 
look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. And if you do what it says, gosh, that's a novel idea. And don't forget what you heard. Listen to this promise. Then God will do what? He'll bless you. Knock, knock, knock. Is anybody home this morning? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's simple. So here's what we're going to do. Thanks for letting me have some fun with you. I hope I didn't offend too many people this morning. I, lo I love you guys, and I'm preaching to myself. I hope you know that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to come to the table this morning because we actually can't live a life of obedience without the grace of God. It's his initiative in us. He's the one who puts the desire in us to live the new life. It's his grace that's at work. It's his forgiveness. It's his work that happened on the cross 2,000 years ago when Jesus came and lived among us, and then he died on that cross. But, you know, before he died on that cross, he was with his closest friends, those disciples, and they were sitting around a table, or some say they were lounging, laying around a table, and... Um, he took the bread, and he, and, and he created an object lesson. He broke the bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. I want you to take it, and I want you to eat it in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup of wine after, and he said, this cup, it's the new covenant. It's for the forgiveness of sins. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death, you're proclaiming that you are a person that's been set free. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're not, but you're ready to become one, you're like, you know what? I'm ready to take my first communion today. Why not let this be your first communion? And you come and you say, I want to live that freed up life. I want to, I actually want what we've been talking about. I want that life. Then come and break off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. If you want to kneel, there's both sides of the table are open. But here's the little nuance to this morning's communion experience. We have cards that are about this big spread out all over the table. And there are different passages of Scripture that I have selected. I think there's 20 different verses, passages that we have been praying would be for you, that whatever one you pick, I don't know which one you're going to pick, but that that would be for the next seven days, just this week. We're going to be people of the word. We're going to actually learn the word. We're going to memorize whatever card we get, and we're going to, we're going to lean into that, and we're actually going to live it out in faith. We're going to trust God. It may, maybe the passage doesn't even tell you to do something. Maybe it's just a passage that's inviting you to enjoy God. Then do that, you know? And so... Um, you don't have to take a card, but as you take, if you take a card, we want you to make a commitment to say this, I'm going to, I am going to devour these words. Jeremiah talks about that in Jeremiah, I think it's 15 or 16. He says, I, I ate your words. I devoured them. They were joy and a delight to me. That's the experience we want you to have. I'm going to have the band come up. Why don't we pray? Why don't we stand up? <clears throat> You know, you have no idea what's going on spiritually in the person that's on your right or on your left next to you. But I'm going to invite you. I, lo I love to do this, but I'm just, just, just 
indulge me here. Put your hand on their shoulder, the pe person on each side of you. And as I pray over all of you, as I pray over all of you, I want you to pray a prayer of faith for, for the person. You, don't even, you might not even know their name, but that the word of God that we've talked about this morning would do the work of God, that this person that you're touching would become the good soil because we all want to live a fruitful life. We all want to live a, a life that matters, a life that's more on the eulogy virtues, not the resume virtues. And so, Father, right here in real time, in this space, I pray that the Spirit of God would fall on every heart. And, Lord, as we touch our brothers and our sisters, we pray for your touch. We pray that you would bring a healing where someone is hurting. We pray that you would bring provision where someone uh, doesn't have enough. We pray that uh, where there's a lack of love in a person's life, that, that, that your love would make all the difference. God, I pray that every heart in this room would become good soil, that we would choose to live a life of impact and influence, a life of love, that we love well and live generously because that's the life you're inviting us into, a life where we don't stew in bitterness, but a life where we choose forgiveness, a life where we're not self-absorbed, but a life where we're actually noticing others and serving others and giving our money away for the sake of others. And that's going to take a miracle. But God, that's who we're praying to, the miracle-working God. You can do amazing things. With you, nothing's impossible. And so do the impossible in our hearts today, this week, and help us to choose good soil. And now we pray that you'd meet us at the table that we'd experience your love in an amazing way. Touch us in Jesus' name. Amen. When you're ready, come. Kneel. You don't have to kneel. You can stand and partake of the bread and the cup and take a card.